This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, people. I hope you are well today. We are live on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Tom Rogers, for The Late Late Show. Thank you for staying up. It's much appreciated. This evening, we're discussing the teacher life. Is it possible to stay in teaching and have a family? What are the challenges and how can we overcome them? What are the strategies that we're going to employ? We're talking about time-saving hacks, family hacks, and job hacks. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, peeps. I hope you are well this evening. We are live on Teachers Talk Radio, and it is the Late Late Show. And I hope that you are well. I hope that your week is going bearably so far. Uh, That means that you're potentially surviving it. Uh, I've got two special guests tonight um, who are going to be joining me to talk about this topic of the teaching life. Uh, The first guest is Katie Fairhurst. Katie is an English teacher in the southwest of England. She's been teaching for something in the region of 16 years. She survived all of them and has worked in both the southwest and northwest of England, having qualified in Manchester. She's a a pingle, not a pringle. She is a single parent to one son, aged 11 and year seven, with no family nearby. Her son's father lives 300 miles away. And in addition, she's a domestic abuse survivor and also a kidney transplant recipient. So we've got a heck of a lot to discuss here with uh, Katie in a few moments. Um, joining me after that, uh, I have also Dr. Lu- Lisa Reed. Uh, Lisa is a mum of four teenagers, a career changed at 30 to become a teacher, uh, chemistry teaching uh, for 20 years and was recently awarded a PhD. Uh, she's been working as an academic with Dundee University since August. So two Brilliant guests, and I think I'm joined by one, but I'm not sure which one it is yet. Good evening. Hello, um, I'm Katie. Um, I think I think this is me. It is, it is you. I, I, Hello. I'm just sure. trying to navigate the app and not sure no, it's, what it's, I clicked on. It's definitely you. You're not having an out of body experience. Welcome <laughs> to teachers. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Thank How you. are you today? How's your day been? Has it been okay? It's been okay. I am, of course, tired, um, as I think we all are at this point in the term. But yes, uh, coping, surviving, hanging in there. Yes. Fantastic. Now, I've just read out your kind of bio. Mm. And one thing, you know, there's a number of things, actually, that that stand out to me there. Um, We've got uh, this is before we discuss kind of the teaching life and we talk about teaching hacks. Um, There's certainly things that stand out. and, And one is that it says in your bio that you're a domestic abuse survivor and have had a kidney transplant. Yes. <laughs> um, can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, it's a much longer and more boring story than than the sound bite, sound bite would suggest. But I um, have an autoimmune disease and it killed off my native kidneys and I had a transplant in 2012. So you've done, presumably you've done all that and been teaching? Yes, which is, yeah, that, that's full that's, time. That's... Um, uh, although I was part time four days a week, which anyone who's ever worked part time in teaching knows 
it's never really part time. Um, I was part time for a couple of years when my when my yeah. son was was very young. He's eleven now, nearly twelve. Yeah. Um, and I separated from his father when I was when he was uh, when my son was four and a half. And a year later, we left the northwest and moved to the southwest. My kidney, um, Sydney, obviously, um, functions very well. And I, I have to have regular checkups. And it's always a bit of a worry in the back of my mind, you know, what if, what if, what if. And one of the consequences of being a um, kidney transplant recipient is um, increased risk of other infections because you have to take tablets to suppress your immune system. Yeah, of course. And then during the whole kind of COVID stuff, I um, had to shield, which meant staying not just at home, but staying at home and indoors for longer than everybody else. Yeah. And then when everybody was back at work, I wasn't. And then I had to stay at home when everybody else could be back at work. And that was really, really tough, especially trying to juggle that with the single parenting and trying to home educate and, and so on. So yeah. um, it's complicated. Well, I was going to say, and really the, the, the inspiration, I suppose, for this show is this idea of the teaching life. And the reason I've specifically asked you on is because you um, tweeted the other day in response to yeah. one of my tweets um, about, and, and it was specifically about, I think it was about being a single parent and teaching. Yeah. Now, I wondered, I mean... <sighs> Because presumably you've 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 probably been a teacher through each iteration. You've been a teacher um, single. You've been a teacher in a relationship. You've been a teacher with a being a single parent. So I wondered whether you could tell me a little bit about the differences between those iterations and how you have, if you like, I don't like this word survived because. It's a little bit, you know, I, I, it's a bit presumptuous to say you're just surviving. But how have you done your 14 years through those iterations? And what, which iteration would you say has been the I know this might be a silly question, but which iteration has been the hardest? Um, in all honesty, the being a teacher before, um, before I was a parent is now so long ago. And teaching <laughs> has uh, changed or not changed, but kind of the challenges around teaching have evolved that in all honesty it's quite difficult to recollect what that time was like yeah. um being a teaching parent um whilst in a relationship um was easier in some respects than it is now because there was always somebody else to theoretically call upon so i'm just in the middle of planning this lesson would you mind just putting the oven on? Mm. Or um, if you can put him to bed, it means I can get a head start on these books. Yeah. Um, and sharing driving and um, just sometime, and somebody else to bounce ideas off. Um, whereas now it's always my turn to decide what we're having for dinner, which is very boring and never gets any easier and I think most parents can really relate to that kind of oh god it's just that one of the hardest things about one of the most annoying things about being an adult is all this stuff that just seems to permanently need doing it's never yeah. finished um so yeah adulting that, sucks yeah it really <laughs> does and you know and then I, I need to put a curtain rail up and 
well, that's the time I started looking at how to use a drill because I haven't got somebody to to just do it for me. To do the um, DIY stuff. Yeah. So, and, you know, I've got to juggle. Well, I've got to pick my son up and I've got to get these books marked and it's parents' evening and there isn't anyone to call on now. So, um, so how have you... Nearby. So, so how have you managed this? What are your hacks, if you like, in terms of, you know, managing the week? You know, what are the things that you are kind of doing or have been doing to kind of hack this process? I think being flexible and accepting that you can't do everything and you can't have everything is really key. And it's something I, I continue to struggle with because I want to have a moderately tidy house and have cooked a wholesome meal and have done all the work and ha and have been a very present parent and it yeah. actually isn't possible to do all of those things and you have to make difficult choices and you have to kind of get comfortable mm. with the fact that you have to make difficult choices and being flexible yeah. from term to term and year to year because what worked last year does not work this year and didn't work the year before so it's, and that can be sometimes difficult, realising that the groove you found yourself in one year doesn't work again. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, I don't, I'm not sure there's a solution to this no. per se, uh, you know, but certainly there has to be a certain efficiency then with which you plan and with which you, you plan the way you're going to work. So I wondered whether you've kind of adapted your own teaching to suit this situation? Are there any things that you have, if you like, compacted down? Um, yes, I've found shortcuts with, um, with marking. They haven't always been successful, if I'm honest, but I've got to be willing to try. Um, yeah. And um, I have to be quite self-disciplined with how much time I spend on the elements of the job that I enjoy, like the planning. So I'm, I, do, I do the sorts of things that we advise our students to, to do. I set timers. I use the, you know, the Pomodoro technique and I will work for 25 minutes and then I will stop. And then instead of perhaps sitting down and having a rest for five minutes, I will go and do something else that needs to be done. And then I'll go back and then I'll move on or I'll say... I've got an hour and all of my lessons have got to be planned in that hour instead of accidentally spending too long on something because I'm enjoying it. So having to be really self-disciplined about that is incredibly important. And I think being disciplined and maybe even selfish about prioritizing sleep because I can't do anything without enough sleep. And sometimes if it doesn't get done, so long as you can stand up in front of the children and do something, and you'd be amazed how much you can do without a pretty PowerPoint, how much you can do with your brain and a whiteboard pen, or even 10 minutes in the morning to prepare instead of an hour slogging through the treacle in your brain in the evening. Sometimes it's making those choices that have really made the difference at getting, getting me through. Have you, have you thought at all about, and this is a tough question, I guess, but have you thought about quitting or changing career um to better suit your parenting have you thought well you know what this isn't worth it i want to i want to have more time or whatever or or is has that not entered your mind or have you kind of got into a rhythm and you it, thought well it is what it is it does sometimes but i'm not really convinced that it would be 
even if I wanted to do something else and I don't really because for the for the most part I do really love the teaching um I think there are times when I think oh wouldn't it just be nice to um do something a lot less taxing on the brain and enjoy my parenting more but money aside I don't I'm not convinced that it would be any easier to juggle everything because ultimately Mm. it's still me on my own it's still me who's having a meltdown because I've got to collect something from the post office because I wasn't in and it's the little things that can send you can can send me over the edge when when there's a lot to be done at certain pinch points in the year it's the little things that 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 send me a little bit loopy um but no I don't think that there's anything I don't think another job would really help. Um, I think some schools yeah. are better at being family friendly than others. And yeah. there are times when I've when I've thought another school might be more family friendly than the one that I'm in. All schools say they're family friendly, but the reality isn't necessarily the same. Um, so I've thought about that. Yeah, I was gonna. Sometimes. I was gonna ask you. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that in terms of what. You know, if you were kind of starting out now and let's say, for example, you were starting out as a single parent and you were applying for different jobs in different schools, what are the kind of things you might ask in an interview scenario that might give you some inkling in terms of the things that you would need, knowing what you know now, to be able to function well in that role? I think I'm not entirely sure what the most tactful way of asking is but it's um i would i would want to ask how flexible schools are around the what i see as being quite unique challenges of of single parenting you know when you don't have anyone else to call on for things like parents evening that starts at half past three and it finishes at half past six and your childcare finishes at six and your last appointment is at 25 past You you do need flexibility around that and i think that finding out about that and finding tactful ways to ask about that rather without sounding needy would be, um, would be um, good advice. Yeah. And, and I wondered, you mentioned earlier about when you were part-time, I, I wondered how that worked out. I mean, did, was that, did you find that you were doing as much work then? I mean, what, how, and how did you then transition back into full-time? Did you find that tough or was um, it a seamless transition? It was pretty much seem, seamless. I was working four days a week and... Um, ah, okay. So you were, you were nearly full-time anyway, yeah, in a way. But... I was nearly full-time, yes. And yeah. the, the one day a week that I had off... Um, I used to try and get to things like baby groups and um, yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. But it was, my son would only have been about two maybe when I went back to full-time work. Um, I found a job in another school at that point because I wasn't happy in the school I'd been in. So I found a full-time yeah. post elsewhere. Okay. And it didn't really make any difference to my workload. <laughs> if anything, it was slightly easier because I was happier. Got you. And I mean, do you think because there's always this this (laughs) I've seen it on Twitter a few times and it always gets shot down in a major way. And I can tell I I agree, actually, with the shooting down. But there's always this question of does being a parent make you a better teacher? You know, (laughs) I've seen a few people tweet being a parent makes me a better teacher. Do you agree? Um, 
I think that's very much an individual thing. I don't think it's made me a better teacher. I think it's made me a bit more empathetic um, yeah. towards certain, towards students, um, and p- perhaps particularly towards boys because I've got a boy. Um, and I think when you have, when you, when you love your child and you expect that everyone else loves their child and you start telling one off, you suddenly, I found particularly in the early days of being a parent that yeah. I would feel much, I would feel different about you know, reprimanding a student because I'd be thinking, you know, are they, it, you know, they're loved. However irritating they are in my room right now, they are loved by their parents. And, you know, I would assume so. I mean, sadly, we know that, that that's not always, mm. always the, the case. So I would say it's made me more empathetic and it's given me knowledge to build relationships with um, yeah. with students. So when you don't were think... talking about Fortnite, I knew what they were talking about because my son also plays Fortnite. But you, do, you don't think that, that that building of relationships is something you had anyway? I mean, are you kind of saying you had it, but this helped as well? I would say for me... Um, and I wouldn't say that this is true for everybody by any means, but for me, it gave me a little bit of a a little bit of extra um, information and a little bit of extra support um, in building relationships. Sometimes with some students that I might otherwise not have been able to so readily build a relationship yeah. with, but I wouldn't say it's made me a better teacher. I know relationships are at the core of what we do, but there's so much more to being a teacher than than being a parent that I, I really wouldn't agree that you're a better teacher if you're a parent at all. Yeah, but I, I do take your point, though, because it does make sense that you would be more empathetic towards, I guess, the, yeah, the, the way in which that, that child has connected to that classroom you you yeah. might have some kind of different perspective yes. that that I mean I haven't got kids so for me I'm you're probably gonna have a little bit some kind of dimension maybe that I haven't got but in terms of teaching practice it it's probably negligible but in terms of just having that 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 empathy towards certain situations perhaps you know perhaps that is a that is a valid point I think um to kind of bring in um I was wondering in terms of, you know, in terms of your work pattern then, because presumably, uh, how old? I've forgotten how old. He's 11. He's In fact, he's 12 in a handful of weeks. Right, right. So, I mean, what's his bedtime at the moment? I'm guessing it's... Uh, Somewhere somewhere between eight and nine, I begin the the process of cajoling him upstairs. Um, That bit never changes. (laughs) The time has changed over the years. But I would expect him to be asleep by nine. So, I mean, my my question was going to be, I guess, um, what's your work routine then? I mean, what time? where are you allocating time to do stuff? At the moment, um, I I'm up at six. I get the I get everything organised so we can get out of the house for about twenty to eight, um, and then I. Stay but is there. that six? Is that six till till eight? Is that work time or is that preparing no, that's, for the that's daytime? Home and getting organised, and actually, that's when I get my quiet time on my own. 
it may yeah. be you know, bleary-eyed coffee and breakfast news, yeah. but it's actually yeah. that's probably my only guaranteed time on my own in, in a day. Um, and then between after school, I will usually stay till about half past four, working, planning, marking, whatever needs doing, really. Um, and I generally pick up the work again around as soon, as soon as dinner is done. So that might be seven or it might be eight. And I try and I, in an ideal world, I'm finished before half nine. And then I get a little bit of downtime again before I go to bed. But it's, you know, though, when you say that, it's intense, isn't it? Because it is. if you imagine, well. oh, Laria, I mean, what's your weekend routine then? What's, how's um, that working? Well, I, I, generally, I don't do any work on a Friday night because I can't. Yeah. And yeah. I can't really function on a Saturday terribly well. Yeah. Um, but on a Sunday afternoon, evening, I would put in probably somewhere between one and two hours. It depends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which, which, you know, I guess is, Pet you know, think, standard, really. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, some will be doing a lot more, but I suppose it will depend and some will be doing less. Um, but I'd say it's <laughs> yeah. about average. I'd say yeah. that's about average. Maybe, maybe, maybe two to three. I think I did a poll on this actually last year and I can't remember what the results were. I think it was a bit more than that, actually, the average. I think it was like three hours or something. Yeah, it varies. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, is that enough for you to feel like you're on top of things? doing that routine what you've just said or or, I mean if if you were to feel a bit more content and on top of things how much more time do you think you need to dedicate in um probably another couple of hours spread across the week somewhere because I haven't done for a little while but normally um I run two or three times a week as well um so I would normally point. run on a Monday and a Wednesday and then on a Saturday morning. And do you that, do that in the morning? Or, no, or in, the, you... in the evenings. I, I'm part of a running group. And that has been enormously helpful for my um, mental health rather. <laughs> I mean, for my physical health too. But yeah. the, the difference it's made to my well-being, really, because connecting with other people, getting some fresh air. But I haven't, I haven't well, I'm done any since I, since I did the I marathon. Mean, single... <laughs> Well, I was going to say single parenting and then the three running clubs a night. I mean, how do you motiv- motivate yourself for that? Because when I, I mean, I haven't got any kids and, and I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm a, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm tired all the time. But let's say, for example, I come in after a school day or something in the past and this goes through my 14 years. I, I've just struggled so much to motivate of an evening. I, I, I would love to say that I could do it in the morning, but I just can't. I no. just physically, I just can't do it. I can't so do how it do you, So how do you find the motivation for that? How do you, how do you say? Friendships. Okay, yeah, so it's the club side of it that's giving yeah. you the... Yeah, so I have, the a, there's a, a group of, of us that, you know, I'm part of a big local running group, but there's a small group of us that go out regularly um, with, from within that group. And we run together usually on a Monday and a Wednesday. Um, although, in all honesty, I haven't run very much this autumn. I find it difficult this time of year anyway because it's just so dark and wet and windy. Um, and with mock exams and COVID and stuff, it's just, it's all, I haven't managed to get out very much for a while. But I do find that being bounded about making sure I take care of myself. It feels really selfish, but it makes a huge difference. Um, and the that connection with other people is what helps me get out the door and not sitting down when I come in. Yeah. <laughs> because otherwise, it's difficult was... to get up again. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, do you think that uh, with other, presumably you speak to other other teachers who are parents in the, in the staff room and in school yeah. or whatever. I mean, do you think you deal with it well compared to them or do you think that you're all in the same boat? I think it's different. Um, I, my, um, I'm very much in admiration of the people who juggle having you know, two or three children and they're young and, and working. I think that the demands on their time must be, um, and the guilt is, is much, I think, is more um, challenging when, you, when your children are young. Um, I get frustrated. When you say the guilt, what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, the parent guilt that you're not, you know, <clears throat> when I felt guilty when I <clears throat> went back to work and I worried that I wouldn't um, see my son's first steps or hear his first words um, and that he would be spending more time with a childminder at the nursery than he was with me mm. and whether that would affect our relationship. And in fact, I caught all the first and it never affected our relationship. And we have a really strong relationship now. But um, I think there's a, a constant um, parent guilt, probably with anyone, probably not just just in teaching, but that you can't you can't go and see their nativity. And when the school phone, the school sends you an email on a Wednesday saying your child's been chosen to receive a certificate on Friday's assembly, and can you come? And the answer is no, you can't, um, because you can't just book a day off. Yeah, you can't yeah. just say, can I nip out early and come back later, um, or can I have the morning off? None of those things are an option. Yeah, of course. So that, that sort of guilt stays with you. Um, uh, and this is part of what I mean about schools being family friendly because some schools are much more open to kind of letting you slip out for an hour here and there to see the afternoon performance. Um, but it goes both ways in that primary schools are very are not very um, friendly towards parents who work because everything happens during the school day at the primary school. There's not an evening performance in many, many schools. There's no, and a lot of schools don't have breakfast club or any kind of wraparound care. And it just adds an extra layer of complication to things. So you're guilty because you're not able to go to things. And then you're frustrated because yeah. the schools aren't doing, aren't, help, aren't helping you out sometimes. Goodness. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, um, it's a tough one, isn't it? it it's is. a tough and one. There are, there are no easy answers for, you know, what even, like I said, you know, what, what works this year didn't, is not what worked last year. What worked last year doesn't mm. work this year. It, it, and you have I mean, to be presumably, kind of flexible like that. Presumably, you have moments where you are overwhelmed. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 I mean, how do you deal with those moments? Mindful technique, mindfulness techniques help a lot. And reminding myself that you know, if I don't pick up the parcel from the post office until Saturday, that's not the end of the world. It will be okay. Mm. Um, or um, yeah. That, you know, so things come up in, in life and they are stressful and sometimes you just have to, I've just learned to let them go as much as I possibly can. But mm. yes, sometimes things will send me into a meltdown and they will appear to be very minor things. Um, yeah. But it will, be, it will be just because I am trying to do too much and so I try and do yeah. less. And that's the tipping point, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that's made a big difference is where I live now. I'm the school that I work in. It's I'm, I live within the catchment. I know lots of people will swear they would never do that, but for me, it makes 
life a lot easier. It means that I don't have a long commute. It means that it's if if I've forgotten something, there may be a chance in the yeah. day that I can get home and get it. Yeah. My son goes to the same school as I work in. And so, you know, little things like that. Actually, that's quite a big thing, but they can make life easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've lived within the catchment. I have to say, it was. I, I had a five-minute drive to school and back, and it was. Um, it was good. It was yeah. better. But I suppose the disadvantage is that you open the door, and it's a bit like Nelson in The Simpsons, where he goes, "Ha ha!" The moment you open the door, <laughs> yeah. you know, you kind of creak the door open slightly, and there's some kid. Ah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, uh, um, but it depends on the it depends on the school because I worked in it. That that particular school was quite a community school, so everybody knew everyone. Everyone was around yes. the corner for everyone else. So you kind of open the door, and there was a bunch of kids there all the time. Yeah. You know, it's but like in terms of getting school, celebrity, <laughs> exactly, you're a little celebrity in your tiny little town. There's a, there's a country song I like actually called "Famous Friends," and it's a little yeah. bit about that. It's kind of um, yeah, it, it was it was weird actually. Because you couldn't walk down the high street without like ten kids saying hi to you. But that's um, quite nice, I thought. I the, the, that. It is nice. It is. It was nice. It was nice on the whole, but just occasionally you just wanted to. Like sometimes I put a cap on, and I look <laughs> like this kind of you know shoplifter because I yeah. think oh I'm gonna I'm gonna you know it's like who's that dodgy guy walking around the street because I I just wanted to, I just wanted to walk up the street without without anyone yeah saying yes. hi and being but, spotted in the supermarket with a large bottle of wine and a big bag of crisps. Yes, exa- <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, listen, Kate, I don't know if you've got another uh, ten minutes or whatever, but um, I'm gonna go to the news now um and then uh, we're back in about five minutes but if you want to stick around do if you can't don't worry about it um what, what's your evening looking like well it's looking like i need to go to bed quite soon really yeah so, yeah. yeah i was thinking that so how about <laughs> you go to bed and leave us and uh, and thank you very much for coming on uh, and giving up you know half an hour of what will be a very very busy week for you um you, you've given some brilliant tips there for people and i'm sure people listening back to this will we'll get a lot out of it in terms of, you know, feeling not alone, basically. In there. Yeah, that's really important, actually, because that's one thing that, that's helped me a lot is reaching out to other people and feeling less alone because it can be very isolating when you're incredibly busy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, Katie, and you Thank take you. care and uh, maybe speak to you again soon. Okay. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Katie. Uh, and she was talking about uh, being a parent and being a teacher. And um, and I, this this all stemmed from a tweet I put out the other day about um, normal busy and teacher busy. And uh, yeah, most of the responses were, were pretty much, yeah, we, we get that. Um, but then obviously there were others that, that didn't get it or were saying that there's busy. And I, 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 you know, the intention behind my tweet was certainly not to say that um, teachers work harder than everybody else. That certainly was not the intention behind the tweet however what i was trying to do i guess was to highlight some of the unique challenges that the teachers face that i think are often overlooked or misunderstood or willfully neglected in terms of a national understanding or debate and that's i guess that was the intention behind the tweet and katie was one of the people who uh, responded to that tweet now i don't think my other guests can make it unfortunately so if anybody else wants to call in in a minute, then uh, then do so. And we can chat about being a parent and being a teacher uh, until the end of the show. But uh, if not, I'm going to go to the news now and then uh, I'll be back in five. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
Scotland's Commissioner, Dame Rachel D'Souza, has warned the Prime Minister not to close schools in response to the Omicron variant, despite cases in the UK reaching 160. Speaking on the Andrew Marr show, she said, Lockdown was a terrible time for the whole nation. It's also why I think we must not close schools again. We must not. I would urge the Prime Minister not to close schools. The children want things back to normal. They took a huge hit for us. We must not close schools again. And my head teacher colleagues across the country are incredibly good at managing this situation. I watched them rush to support the most vulnerable. And I would definitely advise not to do this if there is any other option. 280,000 children were recorded absent from school on November the 25th. 2.6% of all pupils in England. Wrexham Council have supported young leaders in a project called Healthy Minds Haven, which is designed to improve mental well-being in school communities. There will be an event on the 15th of December to which senior leadership teams will be invited when they will learn how their school can become a healthy minds haven. Interim Clinical Service Manager from North Wales CAMS, School Inreach Service, Sophie Gorst, will speak about why she is supporting the campaign aim to improve mental health support for young people in schools. This has been your daily education news briefing. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Steve Woods and this is Two Minute Tech. Shortcuts are key combinations that allow tasks to be performed faster. You may be familiar with Control-C for copy and V for paste. Here's one that may just change your life. Did you know there's a shortcut for bookmarking a web page? When browsing the internet, you can quickly bookmark a page by holding down Control and pressing D. If on a Mac, it's Command and D. Once you press this key combination, you're presented with the option to save the page into your bookmarks. Now, that might not be the most earth-shattering revelation in your use of tech, but let's add a little more to the mix with an additional three-key combination. Hold Control, Shift and press B. You can also now show and hide your bookmarks bar. On this bar, you can park your most common bookmarks. Again, on a Mac, replace Control with the Command key, Command, Shift and B. The bookmarks bar can speed things up and you can arrange about 10 bookmarks by dragging them around. Now let's apply this to teaching and improving efficiency. Do you use multiple websites in different lessons and spend time opening them individually? Is your bookmarks bar cluttered or do you drop hyperlinks into your presentations and then wait for them to open? Wouldn't it be great if you can open all your web pages in just a couple of clicks? Well, you can. When creating a bookmark, there's an option to make a folder. So while researching a lesson or topic, you can save bookmarks into one place using the wonderful Control D. Here's the magic. If you right click a folder and select open all, guess what? All bookmarks in that folder open in new tabs ready for your lesson. So when you're planning, use Control D and make a new folder. When you want them, all sites can almost instantly be on your screen and ready to go. Those shortcuts again. 
Ctrl-D to bookmark, Shift-Ctrl-B for the bookmarks bar and right-click Open All to open all bookmarks in a folder. If on a Mac, replace Ctrl with Command. I'm Steve Woods and that was 2 Minute Tech. 2 Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Welcome back to The Late Late Show with me, Tom Rogers, on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in, everybody who's tuned in live. We've got Angel Marie. We've got Vustarman62, Patience L. We've got Ella. We've got Hekib Fower. Khalil was in for a bit. Uh, we've got a few other people as well uh, knocking around. So thanks very much for... Uh, for joining me this evening. It's much appreciated because it is The Late Late Show. And of course, most people will probably listen back to The Late Late Shows as podcasts at some point if one of them piques their interest. So for you to join me live is just wonderful. So thank you. Um, it's a new slot for me, actually. My usual slot was uh, Thursday morning, but uh, due to changes in my career circumstances, I'm now going to the Monday Late Late slot until at least February. Um, and this actually has been my first show for ooh, a good maybe six weeks now, actually. No, not six weeks, maybe three weeks or something. I've had maybe three weeks off from TTR. Um, now, just to give you a bit of an update on me, just so you know what the hell's going on with me. Um, I have been teaching in a school in Liverpool for the last year. Um, I've just finished that contract. It was a it was a maternity cover contract. Um and I'm starting another contract at the end of this week, which is an online teaching contract. And it's actually at one of my old schools, which I'm really, really excited about. It's a school over in Spain that I used to teach at when I was living out in Spain, a British international school. And I'm going to be teaching there until the end of January. I'm super pumped and excited for this. I mean, obviously, it would be better if it was face to face, but because of old uh, Brexit, that's not possible. So it's going to be an online, full time online teaching contract. Uh, which will take me through until the end of January. Um, really looking forward to it, partly because it's year nine to 13, and I know a lot of the students. So many of the students I'm going to be teaching are students who I taught up to 2018. Now, obviously, I'm probably not going to recognize them because I'll have grown quite significantly since then. Uh, if you imagine the year nines that I was teaching are probably now in year 12, maybe and so on so it's going to be it's going to be weird um but also really really fun despite the fact it's online now i know a lot of people have said oh online face to face i hate online well for me it it wasn't so bad you know i i like my tech i like using tech i like learning new things when it comes to technology i'm quite comfortable with tech um so for me uh that side of it i i embrace i quite like it um so I'm quite looking forward to uh, to using new tools. Um, now, obviously, this time, because I know the students as well, or not all of them, but I know a lot of them already, 
and they'll probably remember me and I certainly remember them had a very good relationship with them. So this is going to be really handy because they'll probably be more willing to put their cameras on and actually engage in a conversation in a lesson. Whereas the last time I did this kind of lockdown teaching, I was only what, five weeks in, six weeks into my uh, maternity cover contract. I didn't know the students. And then I flipped straight into online learning and doing live lessons and so on is really tough when you don't know the students that well. So when you're trying to teach online, obviously, because they don't know you that well, or you don't haven't established that relationship with them, they're going to be probably a little bit more reticent to put their cameras on or to engage in conversation with you online. So that was a challenge that I'm kind of looking forward to not having to face this time, because I know a lot of the kids, I know they're going to be willing to communicate with me, get involved, engage in the learning, get involved in the lessons. And, and that'll be great. So I'm starting that at the end of the week. I mean, obviously I'm gutted that it's not in Spain itself, which was kind of my original plan. My original plan was this week I would be flying out. Uh, if it was pre-Brexit, uh, pre-COVID, then uh, there's a chance I'd be flying out this week to do this contract face-to-face, which obviously would have been amazing until the end of January. Because uh, even though the weather in Northern Spain isn't maybe what the weather's like in Southern Spain, it's still significantly better than the weather that we're going to have in the UK over the next two months. But gratefulness is huge. And I have to say, I'm very grateful to be able to go back in time, if you like, um, because it was a it was a really, I guess, nostalgic time in my life when I went over to teach internationally in 2016. Um, I'd kind of hesitated for many, many years in terms of going international. I'd already been teaching in the UK for nine years. I went over there. I arrived in this school. I'd never even been to Spain before that point ever. So it was Spain was completely new to me. And I just had the be- I just had an amazing experience in the school, in the community, in the city. Um, the city was Vigo, by the way, in northern Spain, amazing city in Spain. And it was just amazing to live there and, and make friends there and everything else. So I've got good memories of it is what I'm saying. So being able to kind of go back in time, albeit online, and, you know, spend a bit of time with these students again, who are, who are absolutely fantastic, is amazing. Uh, and I'll be back teaching there at the end of this week uh, and then from there on in until the end of January. And then after that, who knows? I'll be like a free agent, I guess, like a free transfer. So if anyone wants me, come sign me, right? There's no signing on fee. There's no agent to deal with. So, um, yeah, so that'll probably be beyond maybe January, February time, uh, which will be which will be interesting. Um, so uh, obviously, if you've been listening to the rest of the show, we started off by talking about teacher hacks for parents And one of the things that came up was this idea of saving time. And it's something I'm really, I've been very passionate about in the past. In fact, I've written several kind of blogs about it on the tears and I've talked about it at at various different points. This idea of how we can maximize the amount of time and be as efficient as we possibly can. So in a minute, after this little ad, uh, I want to just go through for five minutes at the end, some of the things that I've done that have helped me to become a better and more efficient teacher. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. 
Essential letters and sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello and welcome back to The Late Late Show with me, Tom Rogers and Obviously, we are live and we've been talking about teacher parenting uh, and we had Katie on earlier. Unfortunately, my other guest uh, couldn't make it this evening. So you were stuck with stuck with me for the latter half of the show, which I'm sure. Well, yeah, it's not the end of the world, is it? But um, it is just me. Um, and we were talking about time saving hacks. And one of the things that I have been really interested in uh, and, and do text in and tell me your time saving hacks. Do tell me how you as a teacher save time or you as an educator save time. What do you do to make things easier for yourself? And I think one of the things that I have always found that has saved me a lot of time is in planning, is in lesson planning. And just keeping things simple, not feeling as though it needs to be jazz hands planning every single lesson, thinking about how I structure the planning, thinking about the way I put that lesson together, and the way in which I structure it. Because when I think about it, the amount of time I spent early on in my career planning was, was huge. I didn't need to do it, but I just got wrapped up in this idea of, yeah, I've got to write it all down. I've got to have jazz hands resources. I've got to have this, 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 and this in every single lesson. And once I actually relaxed in that sense, it didn't necessarily impact my teaching in a negative way. I mean, if anything, it made me more flexible because I thought, well, you know, I plan this in a slightly more loose way. So therefore, I don't need to stick to it in this rigid formula. Right. So I just thought about efficiency and I thought about, right, what are the basic steps in this lesson that I need? So I need my my objective. I need my uh, my, my task that they're going to do, obviously, with retrieval practice or any kind of recap at the start of the lesson. You know, I could think quite on my toes about that i could you know i can come up with quizzes i can come up with different things i don't need to print something for that necessarily so there's certain hacks in that sense and just i know it sounds terrible probably but cutting corners <laughs> you know i think cutting corners has a huge place you know not reinventing the wheel and thinking about well how can i do this in half the amount of time that it would normally take me to do another element that I would love to think we can all cut down on is marking because the evidence for the impact of marking is relatively low, but the amount of time teachers spend on it is ridiculously high. So I think that's another one where if you're a parent and you're a teacher and you were gonna cut something out or cut something down, to me, marking would be a wonderful place to, to start. It would be an, a, a great place to kind of think about how you can cut down what you're doing. So I think, Marking is one, and, and I know a lot of schools have very rigid policies on marking, but there, are, there may be ways that you can find your way around the policy. There may be things you can do to kind of just generally reduce what you are doing in that domain. Because as I said, the evidence is, isn't as significant as you would think it is based on how much marking people are still doing. It has got a bit better. Uh, you know, there is more of that culture of, well, if it's a formal assessment, do that and then in between, concentrate on your 
more informal in class assessment, I think things have moved in that direction a bit more, you know, where you might have a six lesson cycle where, and, and then you might have your kind of assessment and then you might have another six lesson cycle and you might not technically put pen to paper between those cycles. There might be a lot of other forms of assessment going on there, but written assessment might be kept to a minimum. And a lot of schools are moving in that direction. But even if yours isn't, there might be a way you can do that a little bit more and maybe be a little bit more flexible in that regard uh, and try and look at the policy and think, how can I make this policy work for me? Um, and I don't think anyone can argue with that if that's what you decide to do. You know, I think it's it's good to do that. It's good to try and do that and, and try and look at ways that you, because your well-being is, is absolutely essential. Your well-being is is essential for you to be able to teach well. And I certainly think that's something that, that should be looked at and considered. Uh, I, that, that's it from me tonight. Uh, thanks very much to everyone who's joined me live this evening. I really do appreciate it. I know it's a late, late one on Teachers Talk Radio. If you're listening back to this as a podcast, thank you also. And you can download any Teachers Talk Radio show at ttradio.org. Make sure you tune in again tomorrow at 7 a.m. We've got Mal on The Breakfast Show. And following that, we've got lots of other shows tomorrow, actually. We've got Lucy at 6, we've got Libby at 8, and we've got Rich Wrigley at 10. So we've got lots of live shows tomorrow. Make sure you're listening to those. And we will see you again very soon on Teachers Talk Radio. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, Visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.